Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Corey, uh, how you been? I'm freezing. I've been fine. <laughs> it's actually how... cold here, but oh, not as cold as I'm sure it is up there. It was 40 today. I'm just old, and I get oh. chills in my bones. It was actually in the 40s here today, but mm. not, not quite to the 40. But like 48, I think at one point, I think it's dropping now too. It's actually, um, I've had my, uh, like flannel type Captain America pants on since like, since about six o'clock. Cause I was actually cold and I'm never cold, um, in my house usually. So like I was already getting kind of chilly. I'm like, I need, I need warm clothes. What's going on? Um, but yeah, uh, it's been a while since we've actually spoke. Um, we recorded early last week because my wife was going out to see Corey and Corey stole my wife away from me for five days, and it was it was sad. But there were some benefits. Um, one, my daughter and I found a new sushi place here uh, local. It's a it's like it's okay. It's gonna sound sketchy when I word it this way, oh, but God. it's not. I was gonna say it's like it's like a fast food place, but they're not fast food. Like so, it's high quality ingredients. It's called uh, uh, you know what? I won't say their name because it's not a sponsor. But, um, like, for their lunch special, two California rolls and a drink, seven fifty. So, it's a good deal. Two California rolls, a drink, seven fifty. Most good sushi places, a California roll is, like, somewhere between three and five bucks around here anyways. So, I trusted them, and it was worth it, because both my daughter and I were very, very happy with our sushi. Um, they have miso soup, which my daughter is a huge fan of. Um, so much, though, Corey. Taylor likes miso soup so much that we once had uh, lunch with a friend and the friend's current boyfriend at the time, and he didn't finish his miso soup, and Taylor was eyeballing it. <laughs> with, I know she does love it. Yeah, she was, like, frustrated that he wasn't finishing the delicious broth and tofu in the soup and was, like, almost tempted to grab it and eat it because she couldn't believe anyone would be so wasteful. But this place, it's really good. And we So we got to – we found that place. Uh, my wife does not like sushi, so we don't go, and usually sushi is really expensive, so this place hit both of those things, because Kathy wasn't here, and You're it was welcome. affordable, but they're also a hibachi place, and Ooh. they have really good looking hibachi food, so I'm like, I can actually take Kathy here, so that's a new place that I'm looking to become a regular go-to, especially because I'm watching what I eat, so um, price-wise, and that lunch special is even on the weekends. So it's not just like during the week when you oh. can't go. It's like Saturday, Sunday. They still have the same pricing. Um, but then we also went to the movies um, on Monday when we were picking Kathy up from the airport. We drove out to Orlando to a theater we don't usually go to um, because they had a certain movie, which I'll mention when we get to what we've been watching. Um, but I've seen a lot because the last time we spoke was on a Wednesday. Uh, and so I've watched several, several movies since then. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, bringing them all up here momentarily. Um, but uh, listeners to the show, if, if you're new to Movie Club, Corey and I started this podcast two years ago uh, to get some of these big movies off of our gap list and also just to expand what we're watching. So we're not just falling into the same patterns, watching the same movies over and over again, which I do by default. I don't know how you are, Corey, but I like to rewatch movies that I love. Are you kidding? You got on to me. One of our first episodes yep. of Movie Club. You're like, why do you keep watching the same movies? Because I love it. Yeah, and I, you know, I just rewatched one that I'll mention again once we get to what we've been watching, uh, right before we recorded, and 
Um, it's one that's climbing my uh, overall all-time movie list. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Um, but I've I've been super. Bu- I've I've been busy this whole month. I've yet to miss a day. I've watched at least one movie a day um, since January first. And so I've, I've not missed a day. I'm not doing this on purpose. I'm not, eventually I will miss a day, but when I'm on a streak, I like to keep it going as long as I can. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to at least make it through the end of January before I miss a, a day of movie watching. Um, it helps that I teach film at the high school because, you know, I show them movies frequently. We're in, we're in viewing mode right now. We'll be in production mode here soon. Um, but I do want I, a couple of things. Uh, one um, you know our friend of the podcast, Alejandro Montoya Marin, who is uh, on Rebel Without a Crew, the Robert Rodriguez TV show that's currently available to uh, watch on the El Rey Network, and his movie Monday will be debuting next month on the El Rey Network. Um, he has uh, got a GoFundMe. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that is wrong. He has an Indiegogo um, right now up for his new movie, uh, Millennial Bugs, and... I want to give him a shout out one because I'm really looking forward to seeing the final product of this movie. But two, he needs uh, crowdfunding. So if you are a listener and you like independent film, which um, is something I'm a big advocate for, I love the idea of artists getting to uh, craft what they're looking to make, and the indie world allows for that. Um, he has uh, got some really great tiers, so you can you know just you can donate as little as you're able to a dollar or become a full fledged producer and drop big bucks on the, this movie. Um, I'm really hoping he's able to hit his goal and, uh, his movie can be made. So, um, I'll have a link to, uh, his Indiegogo on the show notes so you can click easily and make a donation, help support film. And at the very least you get your name in the credits for being a donor. So I think that's the first tier. It's like five bucks or something. So if at the very least you get your name in a, in a movie that people will see, and I'll tell you what, if you look at the reviews for his film Monday, not just from me, but from everyone who's given it uh, an opportunity to view, and again, it's not worldwide just yet, so it'll be bigger next month, hopefully, but um, it's all been really positive. He is a very talented and passionate filmmaker, um, and, and I won't deny he has become a friend, but my review of Monday was before I knew him. Uh, he reached out to me last year about the time of South by Southwest. I watched the film. Um, I was impressed. I had some complaints. I liked most. I, I liked ninety nine percent of it, um, which you can read in my review. But um, he was on our podcast, uh, top five movies. He did a, an interview episode. I later interviewed the lead, um, and they're they're you know dedicated, hardworking people. They're looking to uh, expand their their art, and I just want to advocate for that. But um, I, I sidetracked, but you reminded me about it, and I wanted to uh, to mention that. Um, but getting back to this podcast, uh, we started this because of the, like to make us watch more movies, and we set a theme for each month. Uh, this month, January of 2019, our theme was Out of This World. And this is going to be our last episode for this theme before we move into February's theme, which I'll announce at the end of this episode. But uh, we watched... Um, for the major review for this episode is going to be Sunshine, by uh, directed by Danny Boyle. We'll get into all the specifics right before we do that. But before we get into that movie, we like to talk about what we've been watching. And Corey, do you want to go first or second? I'll go second. All right. Well, I got a long one, so get you know, sit back um, and hear me out. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Glass, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie I saw last Thursday, so the day after we recorded. Um, 
have you you haven't seen Glass yet, right? We're going tomorrow. Tomorrow, as I thought, you was upcoming for you. Um, I like this movie. Um, I'm a big fan of Unbreakable, and uh, I also really like Split. Um, Unbreakable is my favorite M Night Shyamalan movie, and I gotta say, I am extremely fascinated with Shyamalan as a filmmaker. Um, his his career trajectory has been so crazy, and it's such a interesting story. But if nothing else, if you like his movies or not, you gotta at least say he goes all in uh, on his his ideas, whether you like him or not. Um, is debatable, but you gotta respect at least the passion that he puts into his work. And uh, I, I found a lot of joy in Glass. There's definitely problems. Some of it is uh, very silly on analysis, but man, it's worth seeing, especially if you liked either of those other movies. Um, in my classes, uh, we just finished The Post last week, um, which was pretty cool to uh, to kind of see how much of the, they liked. Um, and then uh, I showed my film classes arrival this week uh my film two class nope oh. sorry my film one class so i rewatched it last friday uh i i've now seen it four times um the initial time in the theater once last friday by myself and then twice with the two different class periods that i have and um it was extremely hard not to break down crying um at the two times in class it was like i was like choking back tears like no 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 i gotta be able to talk about this movie um, the two times I've watched it, once at the theater, once home, I, I cried extensively. Uh, it is a movie that I absolutely love. One of my favorite sci-fi films of all time, which is why we're watching it. We're studying sci-fi. Um, have you heard of, uh, San and Ollie, Corey? Yeah. Um, I got to see a screener, uh, this past weekend, and I was so impressed with this movie. Um, it stars Steve Coogan as, uh, Stan, um, Laurel. And uh, John C. Riley as Oliver Hardy, and um, I found their it's it's late in their career that the movie is really centered. It's like in the fifties, um, and they're trying for like a revival, like live. They're doing like a live tour in order to get money to make a movie. And I was so like I know Laurel and Hardy like the silent films, and I've seen some of the shorts and. I, as a kid, I was introduced to the characters on Scooby-Doo, actually. They did, like, an animated movie with them on it. And um, I was so charmed by this film. Like, it's funny. They recreate some iconic moments. Uh, but just the, the chemistry between um, Coogan and, and Riley is so endearing. I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It should be playing at a lot of theaters now. Um, so if you get the opportunity to see Stan and Ollie, I know if you're uh, in Florida, it's in all over Orlando, Tampa, and it's actually even in Lakeland. Um, I recommend it. I had a blast with this film. It was fun, but I also uh, I found the emotion to be sincere. And again, uh, Coogan and Riley both give tremendous performances. Um, to keep going down the list here, Corey, I finally watched Twenty Four Hour Party People. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. Um, it's it. I think it's still on Tubi TV. T U B I TV. Oh, I own it. Oh, and you own it, but it's it is free to watch on Tubi TV. Um. But I, I won't say much because we will have to do an episode uh, because Mike beat us in the summer movie wager last year. And so he picked a good movie, a movie that he likes, rather than a mean Thank you, Mike. thing like Sean made us do last year with uh, Medea's Boo 2. Um, but I won't say much about it. But again, also stars Steve Coogan. So that was a weird theme for me um, that weekend because I watched Stan and Ollie on Saturday and then I watched 24-Hour Party People another interesting connection in fact um the uh actress shirley henderson 
who plays uh, Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Um, she is in Stan and Ollie as uh, John C. Riley's wife. But in 24-Hour Party People, she's Steve Coogan's wife. So another oh like God. little weird collaboration um, that those two were both in those movies. Um, Simon Pegg has a small part in 24-Hour Party People, by the way. Uh, oh, rad. Ba- barely caught him. Um, I think he's like super blonde in it, too, which was like really threw me off. Um, all right. Then on Monday... Uh, Taylor and I, when we were waiting for Kathy to get off the airplane, we went and saw Barry Jenkins' new film, If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh. Holy cow, Corey. This movie. Um, Is it so good? I want to see it. It it was so good. It's such, like, a mastercraft in filmmaking. Like, the costuming, the production design, the score. I mean, every little thing about the movie is amazing. And then the, the, the subtlety of the story is inspiring and heartbreaking all at the same time um i i was blown away really really loved it um in fact the more i've sat with it the more i think i it's just a masterpiece um i then uh kathy on her flight home from boise watched part of colette the kira knightley movie from last year and um she stopped it because there's a sex scene in it that made her very uncomfortable to like to watch on the airplane (laughs) yes uh, so she stopped it but then when she got home she really wanted to watch it and by coincidence uh big tuna sean and matt had both talked to me about that i needed to see this movie that i shouldn't have skipped it i need to watch it and so now kathy comes home wanting to see it so i just bought it um and we watched it the other night together it's very good i, I liked it quite a bit um not as much as i think sean or matt but i still liked it uh i think she liked it um a little more than i did uh it it takes a little while for the plot to become clear, and it's it's super compelling. And it is based on a true story of a, an author from France that I knew nothing about. So that was I found that really captivating. Um, I then watched Sunshine on uh, Wednesday. Then uh, I finished with my classes uh, Ready Player One, which I liked a whole lot when I saw it the first time in the theater. I like it less uh, on my two. I had to watch it twice with two different classes. And I, I was really nitpicking it. I think I was too kind to it the first time. Um, I still like it. I still think it's fun. But I had a lot more issues with some of the dialogue. There's a lot of exposition dumping. Um, but I showed my film 2 class Leave No Trace this week. Um, and yeah, uh, they 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 liked it. Um, a few loved it. I, I just, I still think that movie's fantastic. And I really, really really encourage everyone to reach out and see leave no trace i believe it is on prime now yes Uh, we watched that in december and we both really loved it you can listen to our episode uh of that one um Corey, have you heard of this movie serenity oh i think we talked about it briefly last (laughs) night so serenity listeners is a new film starring matthew mcconaughey anne hathaway um diane lane jason clark uh, it's directed by Stephen Knight, who I've not seen his other two films, but he's only got two other directing credits, Locke with Tom Hardy and Redemption with Jason Statham. Uh, I'm not familiar with either as far as like quality or, or whatever, but holy cow, Serenity might be the most insane thing I've ever witnessed, especially if you've seen the trailer, because the trailer makes it look like a neo-noir type film, like a mystery, uh, murder mystery type, type deal. Uh, McConaughey is like owns a boat and his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend or something shows back up on this island and offers him money to kill her current husband. And then, like, the trailer makes it look like it's going to be this... That's going to be early in the film and then him trying to get away with it. And that 
isn't what this movie is at all. And, and I don't think anyone would have predicted what this movie is. Um, there were, uh, early in the film, I was already going, what is this? And by the end, I was like, I can't believe that's what this is. Like, I was so shocked. It's really bad, but it's so bad that it's entertaining. And McConaughey and Hathaway and Clark are fully committed to this movie. Um, it, it's intriguing for that reason, because none of those actors need this movie. Like, these are three huge actors. And Diane Lane has done, obviously, tons of stuff, too. But, like, right now, Hathaway and Clark is in a bunch of movies. He does not need to do a movie like Serenity, and yet here he is in it. Um, I'm not recommending people go see it, but, man, if you want to see a spectacle of, like, what the crap-type proportions, it is definitely one to check out. Um, It's it's crazy. Uh, And then tonight, right before recording, I've been working on writing reviews and whatnot, uh, so I threw on a movie that I've seen that I I've been wanting to rewatch. Um, my favorite movie from last year, Blind Spotting, and it only just got m- closer to being a lock for like all time favorite type movies. Not my number one necessarily all time, maybe, but it just everything about the film just clicks with me, and I love the characters so much. Um, if you still haven't seen Blind Spotting, and I think Corey, you're in that boat. Uh, you really need to watch it. I've seen it three times now, and I definitely will see it many more. Um, in fact, I am planning on teaching it in a couple of weeks, which makes me a little nervous because there is a lot of cursing in the movie. Um, I mean, A, you always mention that you have permission to correct. slips. And B, it's high school. I don't know if anything can be said in a movie that You're not <laughs> they wrong. haven't already heard You're not wrong. or You're say not themselves. Wrong. And again... <laughs> They are they. This is my film two class. So I've had them for three years. Um, all of them have signed uh, full permission slips. I have uh, the parents given me full trust, um, and the cursing is actually very important. I think to the point that's being made in the film um, about perception and about uh, who these characters are, and yeah. And I I do think honestly I think of all the films I will have shown, um, I noticed actually because I did show the Florida Project last semester. And a lot of my students really clicked with that more than I've sh- other movies because the people in it feel so real. And I think blind spotting is that same thing. Because when you're censoring yourself for a rating, like when you're censoring your characters for a rating, it can make them feel artificial, you know? Um, especially like with teenagers or certain scenarios where it's like, that's not how people talk. And as teenage high schools students especially i think pick up on that kind of thing if it doesn't feel organic in dialogue um which is a a lot of times why they don't like older films because the dialogue is written um one there were stricter codes about what could be said but two they were still like kind of learning um movie acting that wasn't a thing in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s um and foreign films too like because like japanese films like we watched the 1954 godzilla and it really threw off my students because it's it has a lot of like melodramatic acting in it, um, despite it being a sci-fi movie, and that's kind of uh, I've read several things pointing out that's not uncommon in anime and stuff as well. Still, but if you're not into that or if you're not familiar with that, it feels in you know inauthentic, and it it you know when you're used to like modern film, which we try to go for realism, even in our superhero movies, like the characters try to be grounded and real. Like think of the Marvel franchise; most of the characters don't speak like 
comic book characters. They speak like people we know now. They're just, you know, like, especially Robert Downey Jr. Um, so, uh, I'm hoping, I think this movie will really click with my students. I am looking forward to, uh, introducing it to them because I, I've, I think I've, I've had a few people, their favorite movies have come from my class. Things that like they would have never watched if not for me, like me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Uh, several of my students have listed that as their favorite movie over the years. Searching from uh, we just watched two weeks ago, I've already had I think four or five students like this is my favorite movie. I've never seen anything like this, and it really like you know when you look at the status quo of film, and then a movie like Searching is so out there and so different, um, and so well executed that it it really really just clicked with them. So. Uh, that's what I've been watching. I know that was a lot. I apologize, folks, but, you know, this is kind of my... It's literally my job, and then it's also my obsession, so it kind of compounds on itself. Uh, Corey, what have you been watching? Obviously not as much as you, but... <laughs> I uh, didn't watch any movies while Kathy was here because we were busy. Yeah. Adventuring in the snow. We almost died. I'm just kidding. Did she tell <laughs> you that we were in snow up to our hips? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we're both short. I'm like five three and three quarters, <laughs> but and the three quarters matters. But um, so she introduced me to a show called Nurse Jackie. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Ah, uh, really? See, I don't like Jackie. I I do. I think that she isn't perfect. No. And that she isn't always a good. Person and maybe she's not the best person to everyone that is in her personal life, but she goes above and beyond to take care of people. And I think that, you know, I think that that's that's necessary as a nurse. I mm. I I don't I might not want to be in her personal life, but I totally respect a lot of the things that she does in the show. She's not perfect, and I like, you know, I like I like that about her. Um, so I've been watching that. And then I rewatched. I've been wanting to watch it for like a year now. And I was just like, no, I loved it as a kid. It's just going to ruin my childhood. Blah, blah, blah. And then they put it on Prime and I couldn't help myself. So I rewatched Stephen King's Silver Bullet. Oh. And I still I still really enjoyed it. Got it. I haven't. I don't actually know that one at all. Like, I don't even know. I'm assuming it's a werewolf story. Yeah. Um, yeah but it I... has a... Corey Heyman in it, and oh. uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how I got my name is from the Corys in the yeah. 80s. Um, thanks, mom. And oh my god, is it Nick Nolte? No, 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 Gary Busey. It's Gary Busey. Those two yeah, get sorry. confused a lot, but Busey's a little more erratic, especially in that time period. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't like a lot of the movies the, the Corys did. Um, you know, there a lot of them are very eighties. Uh, but and uh, is that an eighties movie? Is like, is it young Corey or is it like nineties age? Not ninety I, years old, but like nineties. Um, I would have to look. I oh, think it's okay. late eighties. Okay, well, interesting that it's on Prime. It looks like they've added actually. a lot. Ah, so an older one. Yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, it is made in eighty five, and maybe like the werewolf transition isn't the best, but I think it's entertaining. Is it better than The Howling? Anything is better than The Howling. <laughs> I can go outside with no budget and no filmmaking oh, know-how, wow. and I will make a better film than The Howling. Man. That, that <gasps> is, oof. Ouch. Um, 
God, I well, hated that movie. Is uh, anything, anything else? That's it, besides Sunshine. Now, my wife did tell me, I was surprised to find that you had never been to the mountains in the <laughs> si- the state that you've lived in for, what, what like seven years the, now? I have been in the mountains. I haven't been up to Bogus. Okay, so that's a very specific mountain, I take it. Yes, that is the one that most people go skiing on and it has like our snow lodges and you can go snow tubing and i'll never go up there again i don't get car sick i don't get motion sick but i thought that i was going to puke all over the inside of my car yeah kathy did mention that that the windy roads was was not fun so sick like it and it's it just is treacherous and i feel like being in the passenger seat feels more dangerous than when you're driving anyways because a you're in control and i feel like the car is probably a little better. I feel like it isn't as rocky of a ride when you're driving or as jerky. And I know that that might sound dumb, but anyways, no. I wasn't driving and I was, I, if I was driving up there and it was just Kathy and I, we would have turned around. I wouldn't have, it's so twisty and turny and there was a little bit of ice mm. and it just, I thought I was going to throw up. I don't like being around that many people. Like, it just everybody in Boise goes up there to ski. I have zero percent interest in skiing or snowboarding or any of that stuff. I don't like the snow. Yeah, well, Color, I love her. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. I will relay that message once we're off of here. Um, so it's time to get into our feature movie of the week. Uh, we start with a spoiler-free <laughs> review and kind of overview of our thoughts on the film, and then we will get into heavy spoilers um, if we decide to, which we usually do. Uh, the film is Sunshine from 2007, directed by Danny Boyle, a favorite of Corey's and one who I tend to like. Um, stars another favorite of Corey, Cillian Murphy, Rose Byrne, who is a favorite of mine, uh, Chris Evans, Cliff Curtis, um, Chippo Chung is a voice of the ship. Uh, Michelle Yao, who's amazing, and I keep getting to see her in more stuff. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, Hiroyuki Sonata, and Benedict Wong. And then Troy Garrity's in it, but I kind of feel like he's he's unnecessary. Um, he, like even I feel like they treat like he's unnecessary. He plays uh, Harvey. And then Mark Strong um, is predominantly a uh, just a voice on a screen, but still, I, I tend to like Mark Strong. Um you know, he shows up in a bunch of stuff, and he's usually pretty solid. Um, I was very excited to go into this film. This was my pick. I have never seen it. Corey, you've seen this once before? Yeah. Now, um, why don't you start us off with this? What What are your thoughts? Uh, maybe, like, compare it to your first time watching it. Did you like it more or less? Same. Um, and then your overall kind of take on Sunshine. Um, did you mention that it's written by Alex Garland? I did not, but that, that's important to note. Yeah, Alex Garland, who directed last year's Annihilation, which was in both of our top five. So good. And he uh, came into my awareness with his directorial debut, I believe, with Ex Machina. Um, he's written with Danny Boyle on a few movies. I believe he wrote The Beach with Boyle as well. Um, or not necessarily wrote with him, but he wrote and then Boyle directed The Beach. And then same here, uh, he wrote and then Boyle directed. Um what were your uh what's what's your take um i uh, i enjoyed it i think that it's a little bit terrifying um even on the second go around i think that uh, i don't know it's so hard to talk about without talking with spoilers so 
I enjoyed it. I feel like it's definitely a movie. The more times that you watch it, the more things that you're going to notice. Yeah, um, I definitely think that's got a valid a validity to it. Um, I I'll I'll say I initially when it when it ended, I kind of thought I hated it um, at first. <gasps> um, I I did not click with any of the characters. I. I like Chris Evans, and I, I don't know what it was about him that I just felt like he was not giving his best performance. It felt kind of wooden um, and, and I don't know, almost too big of a performance. Like, where some of the way he, like, delivered lines, he seemed mad for no clear reason. I get that they've been on the ship for a long time and all of that, but um, I, I, I went, as soon as it ended, um, I, I went to YouTube and looked for any... Um, videos about it and i was excited because one of my favorite youtubers uh movies with mikey um mikey newman is the youtube host uh he does some really awesome videos i a very few of the movies we've watched has been one of his episodes so this one was and i was like oh great because i liked i often agree with mikey about his takes on film um and usually he doesn't do reviews on films he doesn't like so i was expecting it to be positive and it is it's very very positive i think he's actually he made me appreciate the movie a little more but still i still don't love this film um i i don't know if it was just maybe my mindset when we went in, when i went into it um i, I there are some really questionable cinematography choices in this film which i found surprising cuz i often love boyle's visuals um, for train spotting is some, there's so many amazing shots in train spotting and I love Steve jobs. Um, not necessarily, actually, I do like the cinematography in Steve jobs, but not the main reason I love jobs. I actually love Aaron Sorkin's dialogue in jobs, but, um, I went into this with like high expectations. Cause for the most part, I like Danny Boyle stuff a lot. Um, this one like there is some there's some very strong visuals there's some uh, gorgeous shots but then there's some choices that i can't talk about without getting into spoilers with some of the the way certain things are presented that i didn't like and i also i feel like the movie shifts genre at a point and i it didn't work for me when it shifted genre um and i don't know there were just some things about it that i was like okay i get what you're saying but I'm not interested. I felt I felt very disconnected. Um, I think you know I, I like Cillian Murphy. Uh, usually, I thought he was fine here. Um, I've I've been a huge fan of Rose Byrne lately. Uh, this is an earlier film for her. I didn't think she was great here. I didn't think she was bad here, but I was not. It was not the same. Usually, Rose Byrne like sells me on a movie. Here, it was like eh, and she doesn't get a lot to do, but yet she does. Um, I actually, I think Michelle Yao was my favorite actor in the movie. Um, and then, uh, Hiroyuko Sonata, I also really liked a lot. And then everyone else was just cool. That's, that's all right. I guess that's fine. Um, and I'm disappointed because I actually, I, I kind of went into this expecting it to be like, yes. And so far from this month, my favorite film was, uh, what we, um, what did we just watch? I've lost all sense of... Oh, dang it. Now you said Starman. Starman, yes. I was yes. going to say oh, Earthman. Man. <laughs> I was like, no. I love Starman so, so much. Yes. Uh, and 
it, that's only cemented my love of John Carpenter now that I'm like, man, I really want to go through his catalog and hit everything I haven't seen, uh, expecting not to love all of them, but still like I've, I've, I'm a big fan of Halloween. I love the thing. Um, and I love Starman. And, uh, so, you know, Solaris, I liked way more than you did. I think both of us were very cold on, uh, the David Bowie, uh, the man who fell to earth. And for me, Sunshine is not, it's not bad. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, I do think it's probably my least favorite Danny Boyle film that I've seen. And I've skipped a couple of his. I'm same. I haven't seen everything by him, but I can see what you're saying where no one, I thought you were going to say that you didn't like Chris Evans' character. And I actually, I mean, agreed. I w- well, I wouldn't want to be in a spaceship with him, but again, I, I at least like when he, he's, he's not just preaching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, and I don't think he did a terrible job. But in fact, I see I, traces of Captain America in the performance too, like because he is kind of logical and straightforward, um, which is Captain America as well. Um, but I've also, like, I've seen Chris Evans be super charismatic and, and likable. Like, honestly, he's the only good thing in the Fantastic Four movies that were made with him in it as the Human Torch. Um, I, I thought he was really funny, and I I've, I like Evans, usually. Like, when, going into this, I was super excited, and that might be the problem. Um, and I, I didn't fully know what to expect of this movie. And just, listeners, I, this is kind of late, but the uh, plot summary is a team of international astronauts are sent on a dangerous mission to reignite the dying sun with a nuclear fission bomb in the year 2057. Um, it has a 64 Metascore and a 7.3 IMDb user score. So obviously people like this film. So it, it's possible that it just didn't click with my sensibilities or even the day I watched it. Because sometimes it is, you know, your mindset when you go into a movie... I didn't feel like I was in a bad mood or anything, and I was actually excited to watch it when I sat down. So I don't feel like that was the reason, but you never know. You know, sometimes it's just it's just not the right circumstances. Um, why I like to rewatch things that I feel mixed about, um, but I don't think I feel mixed. I think I just it didn't click with me. Um, and I like sci-fi, uh, and I like high concept sci-fi. Like I, Arrival, huge fan. Annihilation, huge fan. Ex Machina huge fan and i mean that's like garland's two those two of the three that i know for sure garland wrote and i've seen i love and yet this one just didn't didn't do it for me um although i will again give credit to mikey newman uh for movies with mikey if you uh give that sunshine um uh video essay a chance I, i he does make some really cool points and it did convince me that maybe I was uh, shortchanging this, but um, in the end, I still don't have a lot of love for Sunshine. Fine. All right, Corey. Then, I, unless you have anything to add, I think we should move into spoilers. Okay, guys. From here on out, we are going to talk about Sunshine in great detail. You have been warned. Spoilers. And again, she's warned you, so I'm about to jump right into, like, towards the end. Because the movie becomes a horror film. And I don't know that it should become a horror film. Like, I I was content with just the, the idea that we were going to take a bomb and reignite the sun. Like, that alone is scary and dangerous. 
they they encounter like almost an alien esque like plot where like there's a distress signal coming from the other ship, and the because this is we're on Icarus two, in this film, and Icarus one had been uh, silent for I think seven years, um, mm-hmm. and Mark Strong was the captain on that ship, so our crew things start going wrong and it all goes wrong because they decide to go, to Icarus one. It goes Damn, wrong. Kappa. Before that, yeah, Dean Kappa, but it goes wrong before they even get to Icarus 1, but once they get there, it goes horror wrong when Mark Strong's character has become a beacon of light um, and has the worst set of sunburn ever, um, so much so that later his arm is peeled off completely, and I typed in uh, worst peeling ever, um, but I, I, I don't know, like the whole Mark Strong element just was like, I thought... Like, even how they chose to show him, because we never see him clearly. Uh, the camera's erratic. It, like, uh, it almost, like, jump cuts him into scenes, like, inserts it, like, frames at a time. It's fragmented. So, the first time that I watched it, I guess that I didn't realize how he was always portrayed. It, like, it gets shaky. Like, his image mm-hmm. gets shaky and blurry and over overexposed on purpose which makes sense the overexposed element i understand because it's something to do with like the amount of sun he's taken in he's like become a smaller sun um mikey refers to him as the devil uh and the sun is the god and um not that he is like representative of lucifer mind you but like that he's this fiery being who is looking to uh stop the humans from reigniting the sun or quote-unquote reviving god in essence, you know, because that his are Mark Strong's argument, of course, is that he's doing God's will, that God, if the okay. sun is being put out by God, who are we to try to stop it? But if you look at the sun as God, we are like attempting to resuscitate him rather than allow him to die, um, which the movie kind of it's uh, Mikey points out a lot of parallels to Greek mythology. Obviously, the most blatant one being the name of the ship. Icarus is the Greek myth. Um, that his father did Dallas, uh, makes him wings, uh, made out of feathers and, um, cl- uh, not clay. Um, I can't think of what the, he uses as adhesive or glue or whatever, but, um, he warns Icarus to not fly too close to the sun or the wings will melt and then he'll, he'll die. He'll fall to his death. But Icarus with his hubris, uh, gets excited and he does fly too close to the sun and he dies. So obviously a blatant metaphor and analogy parable, uh, with those ships, but there are other you know Greek legends and myths that you can apply, and Mikey just does all that. I'm not going to do it here, but I love Greek mythology, and I, I see those parallels, but okay, um, what do you got for me now? Like, what are you doing for me? And I, I don't feel like there's anything spe- specifically um, thought-provoking or um, s- anything really said that I took as, like, compelling or um even maybe justification for my enjoyment of the film like you know and i it, a movie doesn't have to do something new to be good like there's plenty of films that have similar messages or similar ideas uh that i like even though i've seen them before but for some reason these just didn't fall for me and i i i, I boyle's direction usually works for me garland's writing usually works for me um, the, the cast usually works for me and this movie just did not coalesce and that's the worst feeling for me because I don't exactly know why 
I, I can't quite put my finger on what it was about this film that did not click with me, but I, I was not in it um, really at all, and I, I'm, I'm disappointed about that, as I've said a few times now, but uh, I don't mean to, to, to over-speak here, Corey, um, but I, again, like the way he, he presents Mark Strong's character was more like obnoxious to me than it was helpful or like effective to like making me feel scared um i just was like god stop flashing him on the screen it's annoying but i don't know you said you didn't notice it the first time was was it a good thing to you or do you think it's a a negative like i do i thought that it was kind of confusing actually i was is he trying to make him (sighs) i don't even know how to yeah, I like, think he. I think he's going. I think he it. wants us to be confused or disoriented, but I. I don't know. Like, there well, still needs to be some sense of like what's going on. That well, he says that he's been talking to God, but let's be real. He's been in solitary confinement in the middle of the, the middle of space for seven years. Because mm-hmm. I. I think that they died pretty early on, is what it seemed like. Yeah, given the amount um, of dust in the ship, especially. Yeah. Ew. Especially when you think that most dust is just dust. <laughs> yeah, which I think Chris Evans says uh, when Does they first he? get there. I swear I heard him say it's human skin, and everyone was kind of like phased for a second. But then they referred to blah, it as blah, dust blah. the rest of the time. But blah, blah, blah. um, like, is he supposed to be more than a human now? Is what I felt like. Agreed. Like, uh, is that like you know what I mean? I mean, given the amount of light he's radiating, he's definitely more than just a sunburned guy. You know, like he's. There's something, and the fact that he's the lone survivor from his ship. Um, why? Why would you kill? Like, was he? Because he sab he sabotaged the ship. Was, and I guess that I didn't catch this either. Was everyone in on it, or did he make them do it? Or yeah, and I don't think they were sure. Um, the way they were sitting, it didn't look to me like they were forced, but they may have been tricked into um, the the sun like taking them out like maybe because they were able to like observe the sun through this like visor uh that the ship would protect but you could lift that the protection so i he could have tricked them in like hey let's go look at this it's gonna be gorgeous and then he opened up the the visor completely so that everyone burned and fried um because you have the uh seraph is the psychologist on icarus 2 i think his name is seraph it's played by um uh cliff curtis uh seril i'm sorry seril and um, he, we when we first meet him, he is doing that to himself. Like he turns it up to like three percent to observe the sun. And he gets a really bad sunburn, and then he's like grossly peeling the rest of the movie. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, I don't like. It just reminded me of Goldmember. Like when he's like, "Oh, this is a keeper." Um, and yeah, so like it, it's ex- we see it there, and he's kind of obsessing over the sun. And and when uh, we lose our captain, um, Captain Canada. Uh, um, played by uh, Sonata, uh, he asks him like, "What do you see?" Like he's more concerned with what he sees because he's getting like the full focus of the sun. He wants to know yeah. what he sees rather than like, "Oh my God, my I'm listening to my my colleague and friend die." He's like, "What did you see?" And then he, he get, we don't get an answer, and he looks disappointed that he doesn't get an answer. Um, so we see this kind of like craze on him that is only intensified by Mark Strong's character. Like they're clearly, um, on the same path. I think if Cyril had been 
given more time, maybe he could have gone as crazy, but he he never gets there. But it early, I thought he was going to be the antagonist. I thought at the beginning of the film, I was like, he's going to be the bad guy because he's clearly he's taking huge risks already. But then he's not. He's just kind of like this uh, entry point into the insanity that these people might encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... So, when they go into the Icarus 2 and then they're having to, like, launch themselves into space, I Mm -hmm. don't care. It was 20 meters. That's too long. I wouldn't do it. I would just die in Icarus 2. And they, like, wrap themselves in insulation and mm-hmm. like uh and is it harvey that misses yeah yeah the one who is like the crate he like got very i don't know um it's troy garrity he's he becomes the captain somehow which i i'm still kind of uncertain how the uh, chain of command worked there because to me chris evans character seemed like the second captain but um he becomes the captain and he like is not okay with protecting Cillian Murphy. That's a, like Chris Evans is so his character is the most complex in a way because he seems like he's just an a hole, but then like given that one of the early scenes is him and Cillian Murphy fighting, and that later again they will fight, the fact that he's trying to save Cillian Murphy because of the mission speaks volumes about who he is. He's he's clearly more concerned about doing the thing they're there to do than anything else, and. It's- that's the proof of it so admirable and then like when i forget what they're called but the the things that he's having to like put back into the coolant Uh and he ends up pretty much sacrificing himself and then he doesn't even get to complete what he was doing yeah but that like i totally thought he was struck to begin with but then he's just like it doesn't matter who gets in the way he's still Mm-hmm. upholding the mission and i you know which i mean that's I've... that's why i think he comes off as such a jerk because i think we generally think of someone who only follows rules like coldly follows rules you know there's no empathy you did that so that we aren't included in these conditions yeah yeah you know, <laughs> um because it, it is it's hard to not look at human life um and and weigh the values of it even if like yes uh, even with a utilitarian point of view that like well there's a million people back at home you're not looking them in the eye saying their life isn't worth anything or your life is worth less than others or what however you want to argue it and that's uh, he comes off cold because of that um but he's usually right too like because the mission is really important because we are talking about saving not just the planet, really the solar system. You know, the sun goes out, boom, everything's gone. And, um... Yeah, so, by the end, oh. I, I do sympathize with him more, but... Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm i sorry. And when Harvey misses, and then he freezes quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then his eye shatters. Like, his oh, that body... That bothered me. But I, I did like the, the visuals there. I thought were really... Cool. Yeah, it was, and even Chris Evans' hand is like all frozen because it was loose, and that was gross. But, um, yeah, I thought there were some really strong visuals throughout the film. I mean, um, I kind of didn't like how Michelle Yeoh died. Um, her being like stabbed in the back by Mark Strong's character. I also couldn't figure out why Mark Strong's character needed like a, a scalpel to kill people. Like, I feel like I don't know. It seemed like he had powers. 
And I would have, I think I would have preferred him to have, like, solar, like, shooting out of his hand, like, frying people, than, like, stabbing people with a vibrating scalpel. Um, I don't know, because even, like, when Cillian Murphy shows up, he asks him if he's an angel, um, and it's like, there's, he seems confused, but then he quickly seems to gather his thoughts, um, and set about killing everyone he can, and I, I don't know, like. How did he get on the ship? He, um, he's the reason the, the ship disconnected. <coughs> That's, he's the reason they have to jump across the, the space. Okay. Because he blows okay. the airlock. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I found that, you know, the reveal when she's like, uh, Icarus tells Silly Murphy that you won't make it. And he, she's like, he, no, she calculated. He's, she's like, yeah, calculated for four people, but there's five people. And it's maybe a little too, like nonchalant about that information for the ship well i mean it's a an anime you know yeah maybe but even like the way she says it it doesn't sound completely inanimate like there seems to be some strong ai presence there like there's like if you knew that like especially because she couldn't identify who the fifth person was that feels like that should be an alarm you know like strangers on the ship strangers on the ship Uh, but yeah, uh, I I did like that reveal though. I thought it was like it was shocking, but I don't know. Like, I, it felt like it came out of nowhere, and I don't mind a genre sh- shift in a film, and I I often like that anyways. But it didn't. I don't know. It didn't work for me. And uh, even honestly, I I was trying not to drop this before spoilers. But you see Mark Strong's name in a film, and he's not in the prominent cast. He's probably going to be some kind of villain. Like he's, you know, he's a villain in Kickass, and he's a villain in Green Lantern. Um, he plays a bad guy in a lot of movies, and uh, I wasn't surprised when he became this monster figure. Um, and the, even like the dreams that uh, Silly Murphy and Rose Byrne talk about, like they're having the same nightmare about the surface of the sun, and then they kind of end up, they end up in the nuclear bomb that's going to the surface of the sun. And Silly Murphy sees the sun, like, reignite with the bomb behind him. And it looks like he touches the sun before it, it ends. And I I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I was not invested in the, the story. And, like, I cared a little bit about, like, the people back on Earth. But even that, it's like, there isn't really a lot, like, connecting, like, um interstellar while it's not the same exact premise of like going to space to uh reignite the sun it is going to space to find another place for humans to live and the stakes at home were so high in interstellar to me because we met them we go back to them we know what it's like i cared that his mission was successful way more than i ever felt for the people on icarus um well because we only get that isn't the only time that we get the family because okay so back up a little bit yep um in even in interstellar if you don't get all of the other you know history with people back on earth they even like go back and forth with their videos to each other yeah and even in in this we don't get that at all we see him record one video Mm -hmm. and then the only time that we see anybody on earth is we get his sister and i'm guessing her kid yeah it was her kids and it's after the mission has been successful and if they're in uh, what winter like that how are they all still alive yeah and even more though the video we see of him isn't to his sister it's to his parents 
So yeah. like, it's even less of a connection because like the one message we hear him make isn't the one we see at the end. So it's like, well, we didn't even know he had a sister. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't need to have the, like the backstory of Earth or whatever to care about the people of Earth. Obviously, I don't want Earth to stop existing. But like the the stakes of the bomb, like it, they never even felt like they were confident with what they were doing. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't like, okay, this is going to work if it was still like, okay, we're doing all this and there's still a real chance this isn't going to work. Oh, well, like, I don't well, know. I mean, seriously, I don't believe that a bomb would reignite the earth. Yeah. I mean, the, or the sun. sun, but no, I, I also don't, I would like, wouldn't it just blow it apart? Like, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, this is sci-fi. I'm willing to suspend my disbelief there. But at least make me think that, like, the characters are sure this is the solution. And then other obstacles. Like, there's there's nothing about them ever gave me any hope. And the fact that it works makes even less sense, I think, at the end. Like, like one, the fact that it wasn't a suicide mission was surprising to me. It is, in the end, it is a suicide mission, but their plan is to, le- like, they're going to drop the bum off and go home. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. That's not going to, that doesn't happen in these movies. Like, that was actually one of the biggest shocks, uh, spoiler, I guess, for The Martian, but, like, the opening crew, like, that they're actually leaving Mars and they're heading home. I was like, wow, I didn't think that would happen. Um, <laughs> and so, like, that being part of the plan was surprising, which, I, you know... I would have been fine with that being part of the plan and then things go wrong and they have to make a decision. We can either turn back or drop the bomb. I, it's not, I'm not trying to, to tell Alex Garland, who is clearly a much better writer than I am, how he should write his movies. But these are things that if they had been there, I feel like I would have clicked more with this movie. And I don't, again, still, I can't pinpoint what about Sunshine didn't click for me. But it's definitely not what I was hoping for. Um, and again, I, I went in not really knowing what to expect, but excited about the pedigree of, of the, the production team and the cast. And I, I just feel kind of cold towards it. And again, movies with Mikey helped me kind of appreciate it a little more, but I still, I don't know. It, in some ways, it reminded me of The Fountain from Darren Aronofsky. Um, but I, like, cried whole movie <laughs> not the whole movie but you know for the I fountain? don't know I was like yeah yeah I love the fountain that's what I'm saying love that movie and again they're not at all the same plot or anything but there's just some of the visuals and some of the I don't know there's something about it that brought me to it and I do think there's some thematic things that maybe are tied to each other but uh plot nothing nothing in common at all but um I don't know I just Cillian Murphy I like, but he has this, like, like, introverted, like, distance about his, 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 uh, performances. Like, even in, like, 28 Days, there is this kind of distance that he, I feel from him, but I thought it worked in 28 Days. Here, I'm like, why is he the guy they picked? He doesn't seem like he wants to be there. Nobody seems like they like him, except for Rose Byrne, and not really sure why she likes him. Um... And he doesn't even seem confident in his own abilities as the physicist on this mission. And I, I don't, I do think it's some of his choices, like, because he plays this, look at me, I'm kind of like moody, I'm emo almost presence. I don't know. He's got oh gorgeous gosh. eyes, I guess. He does, and I don't even like blue eyes. But, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. I was not I, into it as much as I would have liked. I do want to mention, though, that they say it, is it once or twice? And I think it was in the trailer, too. Um, it's when he's recording his video. No, we hear it played with his sister, I think. When I don't know. But so if you wake up one morning and it's a particularly beautiful day, you'll know yeah. we made it. Yeah. And I, I, I liked that. I like that I, line think that he's emo i just feel like he's not um okay maybe like not emotive at all like he's very stoic and like in internal like you see like you see that he's internally conflicted but he doesn't i don't know i think my favorite performance of his is uh as dr crane in the christopher nolan batman movies um what? scarecrow i really like him in those a lot um i want you to watch breakfast on pluto i like him mm. in so many things again i don't dislike him but i don't feel like particularly he's our protagonist he's our lead and i don't feel a connection to him in a way that would make me care his outcome in this movie specifically right now like more so than anything else but again i feel like he has a similar kind of presence in 28 days but i got it in 28 days I didn't get it here. I, I didn't, like, I don't know. Like, he he seemed like he was feeling the mission was doomed from the get-go, and that shouldn't have been. And maybe it's because we're jumping into this world where it's been seven years, they've been in this routine, and we don't experience them in another attitude. Like, they're already at each other when we join them. And so, like, I'm kind of with, the, I'm at them too, like, as if I've been on the ship with them for seven years, and I'm just like, you know what, screw all you guys, I don't like any of you, like, whatever, you know, <laughs> like, send me back it. to Earth. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, that that said, unless you got anything else that you want to bring up or whatever, we can get to our ratings of the we film. Can go. All right, you I, go first. I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to say not a total waste of time. Um, which is lower than I w ever would have expected I'd give this film, but it just it just didn't work for me, and so I'm going to go with that. I think there's stuff here that's good. I think there's some really deep thinking going on. I think the writing is solid. It just, for me, doesn't click with something. And again, I, I can't even pinpoint what, but I, I was not in this movie. Um, dang. Uh, I guess I'll go decent watch because I don't, I don't okay. think that everything about it is good. There it is. Um, that is the last of our Out of This World theme movies for uh, 2019. Um, who knows if this theme will come back. We have seen... I still have some space movies I probably should have picked. Like, I haven't seen Apollo 13 yet. Oh my god! I know. Goodbye! <laughs> I know, I know. But um, I kind of I wish I'd picked that one instead of this one now. But, you know, um, there it is. But... Let's talk about next month. Uh, for February, February is the shortest month of the year, and so we decided to make our theme 90 minutes or less, um, meaning every movie we watch next month will be less than 90 minutes, which is refreshing in some ways, but also a fun little thing because uh, we had to go looking for movies that hit that runtime that we haven't seen because that is the number one priority for Movie Club. Is that It's supposed to be a movie that either neither one of us has seen or it's a movie we haven't seen in a long time or like just one time or maybe we need to rewatch. Like Sunshine might show back up on this on the show years down the road because i'll be like you know what maybe i need to give it a second chance but Corey got to pick our first movie for february do you know what you picked Corey? yeah grave of the fireflies so this is a movie that i've been told 
many times is the saddest movie ever made. Great! So I'm going to look like I've attended a funeral yeah, for days. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies is from 1988. Um, it is an hour and 29 minutes, so just one minute under the uh, the requirement. Um, and it is a... Uh, oh, I thought this was Studio Ghibli, but it does not look like it is Studio Ghibli, so I must be wrong, because it is not directed by... Um, the man whose name I know, but uh, Hao Miyazaki, I believe, is his name. I probably screwed that up. But um, nonetheless, uh, this one's been recommended for years by our good friend Michael Sanchez, who's a, our top five buddy. Um, so I am, I am very excited to get this one off of my gap list. This has been on my gap list for a long time. Okay, it is definitely Studio Ghibli. There's a picture of the Studio Ghibli title card right there. But I it thought that it was. It's not Hao Miyazaki, so that's interesting. Um I am uh, very much looking forward to this, though. I think this is streaming on a service. Um, I think Prime or Hulu has Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, so if you want to watch this movie and reach out to us with your thoughts, or if you've already seen this movie and you want to tell us how great it is and how could we not have already watched this, feel free to reach out to us. You can follow me on social media at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Great R Star, two R's on the end. And of course, the best way is to be heard on this podcast with us is to use the Anchor.fm app to listen to our show. You can actually call our show, leave a voicemail, and we can include your voicemail right into the episode. So we would love to hear your thoughts on Grave of the Fireflies. So if you listen to the show on Anchor.fm, feel free to call the show, leave a voicemail, and you might actually end up on our episode, unless you're just like cussing us out or something. Um, that said, and it would definitely be on the podcast. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Um, I'll just put it on loop. But if you like what you hear, we would love for you to go to iTunes and rate and review us. It helps us get new listeners. Um, I write for BurkeReviews.com. Frequently, all of my reviews are up there. Every once in a while, Corey will add something. And I, she should be getting what's coming to Netflix in February here pretty soon, I hope. Um, but uh, her most recent post was the top albums of 2018 so if you're into music uh cory is into i would say um obscure indie music is that fair i don't think it's as obscure as you think it is <laughs> okay but yes i to be fair i i have fallen far from my uh keeping up with music as i used to back in the day so uh, i i only generally find new music from movies so um if it's not on a soundtrack i probably haven't heard it but uh we will be watching um in february grave of the fireflies first uh, real quick, just heads up, we'll also be checking out Phone Booth, Bicycle Thieves, a classic, and Run Lola Run, one that I've been told is excellent and I've just not seen. So um, we're lo I'm looking forward to February. I hope you are too, Corey. Yes. And I think that's all for this episode. Birthday month. It's, oh, birthday month. So a special short movie month for Corey. She's going to be going to a concert later in the month. It's going to be a big deal. It's all happening. Um, but... Thank you for listening, folks. We'll be back uh, next week with our review of Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, and until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, and check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movie-verse as something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.